Welcome to Socially Distant, Spiritually Close, a podcast dedicated to exploring the biggest spiritual questions of this complex and challenging moment. I'm your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. So Shabbat Cholamoed Pesach uh, gives us an, an abundance of riches uh, because uh, as you hear, as you heard, we uh, get to uh, chant Shir Hashirim, um, that uh, beautiful biblical love poem. Um, uh, and we, uh, the Torah reading for uh, Shabbat Cholamoed Shal Pesach is uh, also a powerful uh, portion. Uh, it is the uh, aftermath of the golden calf story from the book of Exodus. Um, and, uh, and in line, in, in a sense, with, um, with, the, with Shir Hashirim, it, uh, it, it, it evokes the notion that uh, God's love and God's forgiveness um, will, will overpower God's uh, strict justice. God's compassion will, will overpower God's judgment. Uh, and, uh, and so that is evoked uh, and called upon in, uh, in the Torah reading for today, um, uh, just as it's echoed in uh, the Song of Songs. And that theme, that idea of, um, of, of God's uh, enduring eternal love uh, for the Jewish people uh, and that uh, uh, God's uh, perpetual presence with the Jewish people uh, uh, and the possibility uh, that is uh, uh, embodied by uh, that relationship uh, and by uh, God's power um, is also reflected in the Haftorah that we read this morning. And that's what we're going to spend um, a little bit of time thinking about and talking about together. So the Haftorah for this morning, prophetic reading for this morning, uh, is uh, one of the most uh, famous visions in, in all of the biblical prophets. It comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, uh, Hezkel. Uh, chapter 37. Um, and, uh, and, and I'll just read uh, the uh, translation to get our bearings. If you are, uh, I'm looking into Eitz Chaim Chumash, um, it's on page 1308. Um, if you have another edition of the Chumash or, or Tanakh or something like that, you're just looking for Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, and we're only, and we read the first half of that chapter. The, it, it starts, uh, the hand of the Lord came upon me. He took me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many of them spread over the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, O mortal, can these bones live again? I replied, O Lord God, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live again. I will lay sinews upon you and cover you with flesh and form skin over you, and I will put breath into you, and you shall live again. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I prophesied as I had been commanded. And while I was prophesying, suddenly there was a sound of rattling, and the bones came together, bone to matching bone. I looked and there were sinews upon them and flesh had grown and skin had formed over them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, O mortal, say to the breath, thus said the Lord God, come, O breath, from the four winds and breathe into the, these slain that they may live again. I prophesied as he had commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast multitude. 
And he said to me, O mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are doomed. Prophesy, therefore, and say to them, thus said the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and lift you out of the graves, O my people, and bring you to the land of Israel. You shall know, O my people, that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and lifted you out of your graves. I will put my breath into you and you shall live again. And I will set you upon your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have acted, declares the Lord. So a uh, powerful and dramatic uh, haftorah, uh, prophetic, uh, prophetic reading uh, here, uh, and uh, and we uh, are given uh, it's it's uh, uh, um, not entirely clear. It's not immediately evident uh, why Jewish tradition uh, has us read this haftorah on uh, Passover, uh, and uh, there are two basic strands of Jewish tradition related to uh, this passage from Ezekiel. One strand uh, says that this is meant to be allegorical, uh, that there is, uh, is that, that it's talking about um, a, um, uh, uh, you know, the sort of decimated and scattered, uh, beaten down states, the exilic state of uh, the, the people of Israel, maybe of the world, uh, and, uh, and, and how through God's power, there can be redemption again. Um, and the other strand of tradition says that it is uh, uh, that this is either talking about something that uh, that, that did happen uh, or something that will happen, uh, that uh, that the dead will, will rise uh, and God will triumph over over even death. Uh, and uh, and that that will be part of uh, what is ultimate redemption. So it's clear that there is a sense in this uh, uh, in this passage that the or the rabbinic understanding of this passage that there's a link between uh the redemption of passover right the the beaten down and broken and oppressed state of the jewish people before they are liberated from egypt uh and uh and and some future redemption whether it is metaphorical uh, uh like it's something like dry bones being brought back to the light uh, or it's saying something real that uh, that there will really be uh, a triumph over over death but uh, before I get too deep into the weeds of where Jewish tradition takes this, I want to uh, welcome our very, very special guest uh, this Shabbat, my uh, dear friend, Reverend Holly Woodruff from uh, 7th Street Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Holly, you there? I'm here. <laughs> Hello. Right. Well, welcome. Happy Passover. Thank you, I guess. Happy Passover to you. To you. <laughs> and... Um, and, and, and you obviously just had a, a, a holy day uh, yesterday and have a holy day uh, coming up tomorrow. Um, so I don't know, is it appropriate today to say happy Easter, even though Easter is tomorrow? Um, some people already are. And I find myself, um, some of my parishioners on, on social media are like, happy Easter. And I'm like, no, not yet. Um, so I'm a traditionalist and I believe that we have to sit in the wilderness just one more day. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. So in in, uh, in Jewish tradition, there's an idea that you can start wishing people uh, Shabbat Shalom, like a good Sabbath starting on Tuesday, which is like the middle of the week when you start counting on Sunday. Uh, but you're not in that camp, right? It's got to be <laughs> Friday at sunset before you say good Shabbos to anybody. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, so what do you, so I, I also, I, I also saw this. I, I saw that um, uh, 
uh, uh, someone had you know tweeted out like Happy Good Friday to Christians, and uh, and and someone said like we don't wish each other Happy Good Friday. So like, what do you say on Good Friday? I've moved to um, like holy, like have a, a a holy Friday, just recognizing it. I mean, traditionally, the good came out of a recognition that it was uh, God's day. Um, and uh, somehow in, in our uh, modern translations, we hear good as being good or like happy. Um, but uh, just recognizing it as a, a holy Friday. Have a holy, holy Friday. Holy, holy Friday. <laughs> and then today, a, a holy Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, well, I guess that makes sense because it's holy week, right? It um, is. And so it's yeah. like, uh, have a holy week. I love have that. Holy um, week. Um, and, uh, before we, before we jump into this text, tell us, uh, how are you doing? How's the, how's your family doing? How, how's the, everybody, how's your congregation doing? Thank you. Um, I, uh, wow. And I, I find myself, I don't, uh, I'm a pastor that recognizes and tries to be authentic. So, um, like even as you were reading this beautiful passage, uh, found myself getting a bit teary-eyed um because i i i'm um i mean i'm fine uh, i'm doing well i'm healthy my family is healthy everyone is doing what they're supposed to do though i sometimes have to remind my dad that uh you, you can't go to the store don't go to the store quarantine is just that stay at home um but everyone's healthy and um the congregation's doing well but this is a challenging time for all of us, um, you know, when our expectations are one thing, particularly around um, high holy holidays and things like Passover and Lent and Easter and Holy Week and all that. And yet um, this looks different. So I find myself emotionally a little bit fatigued and raw, um, but just recognize that and accept it and give myself permission to, to be a little bit weepy. Um, and realize that whatever we're doing is enough. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel that I was, I was sharing with people, um, I think it was uh, Thursday morning, so the morning after the first Seder, I had a really hard time at the, at the first Seder. Um, and I couldn't quite like pinpoint why I was like, uh, other than the fact that like when we, when we uh, switched it to Zoom with my siblings and their kids, like everything went off the rails in my household. So like, it just like was not good on that level. Uh, but also, you know, I just, I love Passover so much and, and there, there's so many dimensions of it that, that are so um, uh, intimate and that are laden with all these memories of a family gathering and, um, and, uh, and, and, and uh, that aspect of the celebration. And there's just so much lost in, in this, uh, in, in this moment because of that. And then in addition, when you like compound on that, um, the, you know, the, you know, the, um, uh, the, the way in which, you know, people are, are, you know, suffering in, in, you know, really profound ways out there and, um, people are dying and it, it's, so it's, it's just, um, it's, it's a really hard time. Um, and that's maybe a good segue to, to, to bring in this passage from Ezekiel who, you know, if we're, if we're thinking about you and I spent some time studying and teaching about the prophets together and, you know, Ezekiel's prophesying at a really difficult time uh, in the uh, history of, of, of the Jewish people in the history of Israel, right? This is the beginning of the Babylonian exile. Uh, most scholars say that Ezekiel was among the first wave of deportees 
uh, before the uh, before the Babylonians had fully conquered uh, Judah, but had already started deporting uh, Judeans uh, to, uh, to to Babylon. Um, and so this is a moment of of you know um, uh, spiritual uh, and, and national crisis uh, for the Jewish people. And so here comes Ezekiel to prophesy something really really hopeful um, in a moment of, of of immense pain and suffering. Um. Yeah, and as I have shared with you, this is one of my favorite texts ever. Um, and uh, it's even now, yeah, it, it resonates um, uh, even now and ever since we did our uh, prophets class too, when, as we've talked about how the prophets are typically um, giving warnings of, whoa, uh, you better do this and get right. Um, right. <laughs> Here is this beautiful, hopeful message um, that that is an attempt to uh, remind uh, the Jewish people, the Israelites, like God is still with you. God is here. God has not left you or abandoned you, even though that's what it might feel like. Um, even though you're not in your own homeland, even though you can't, you know, the, the temple is gone. Like even though everything that you knew is isn't what used to be god is still with you and 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 this this too shall pass and uh particularly in, in this uh time of of covid that resonates a lot with me as a hopeful message not only of one of reminding myself like god is still with us but also even a message to us clergy um that that it's it's easy to get bogged down and that we have a responsibility to even dig deep and prophesy God's hope to people. So I, I'm, I have a, I, I have like a conflicted feelings about that uh, because okay. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember um, one of the last uh, interviews that John Stewart did before he left the daily show was with the author, uh, uh ta Coates. Um, and they were talking about the King, uh, quote that the arc of the moral universe is long, that it bends toward justice. And Coates was saying that, um, that, that he struggles with that teaching because, uh, you know, while it may be true in sort of like a broad sweep of things, right. That, um, that there's a way that, that, uh, um, that, it, that a perspective like that can minimize the pain and suffering of like the actual people who are part of the like long sweep of that arc, right? So like, mm -hmm. so I, I do believe, right? We are going to be in a post COVID reality sooner or later, like that's going to happen. And maybe we'll have learned important lessons from this and, and move uh, um, as a society in a really positive direction. Like there'll be, there'll be really uh, important and meaningful and good transformations that will come out of this. Um, but at the same time, you know, like how does that give solace to, um, you know the the family of of a person uh, who you know who 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 dies alone uh, because the family can't um, uh, be at their bedside or who can't have any mourners come to their funeral. You know, um, so what do you how do you balance that the 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 sort of like the sweep of like uh, of of religious hope with the reality of like the pain and suffering of of, uh, of individuals? Oh. Uh, well, that's the million dollar question, right? Like that is, that is the challenge. And I know so many uh, Christian pastors right now are uh, uh, struggling with that 
today right now trying to finish their Easter sermon, which is all supposed to be about hope and resurrection and the end of the of this 40 day wilderness and realizing like this isn't this isn't going to end tomorrow. Um, and everything you just said is everything that has actually happened in my own congregation, right? Someone has passed away and didn't get a traditional funeral. Um, there are people who have lost jobs. And I think, I think the, what comes to mind is again, just being authentic to that, like recognizing that not, um, not glossing over it, not pretending like it's not happening, but acknowledging it and seeing this as um, an opportunity to um, ag- to realign ourselves. You know, I think about this text. It's, there's, see if I can bring it back up. When you were reading, and you know, there's an important distinction that there is there is a physical component to this this text of Ezekiel of bones being put back together and skin coming over it. But then there's a very other distinction of the restoration of the spirit and God's breath being breathed into it. And that that being an important element. Um, And, and so I think recognizing that, that just that, that, that struggle that there is going to be, um, that there is still going, there is still suffering, but that, uh, there is still God's breath that is able to be breathed into us. And I, I mean, I don't have a happy, I don't have a a way of, of sewing it all up into a nice, pretty picture other than, um, holding on to the fact that, that there's an opportunity to restructure and do this again. Like I, I, it is my hope and prayer that, when we come out of this, and I think about like the end of, of this text, even like when, when the Israelites, like, I will place you again on your own soil, like this, you will get a chance to do this again. And will you build a new community with aspects that infuse society with elements of access to healthcare and, um, opportunity for people you know paid sick days and are you going to create a community of justice you know that's that's so powerful that idea which i hadn't really considered is that what, what ezekiel is really talking about here is um is is second is a second chance right the possibility of a second chance yeah. and what are you going to do let's say you make it through right what are you going to do if you are one of the lucky ones who make it through um, are you going to just go back to business as usual, um, or is your life going to actually uh, be different? And then, and, and I think you know that's something that that really came to mind as I was um, uh, reading and studying this passage is that you know there's a sense in here that um, that uh, that it says two things that I think about death, and I wonder what you think about this. Um, you know, one is that death is not the death is not the worst thing. Right. Um, so the, that uh, that the, the worst thing imaginable by Ezekiel, at least, um, is uh, is is uh, being devoid of uh, God's presence. Right. Um, and uh, and so I think, you know, that, that and I think Jewish tradition would say that. Right. That um, uh, that there, there are things that we are supposed to choose death for rather than than engage in those acts or commit those acts. Right. And, uh, the, you know, there's some moral 
uh, um, actions that were that were supposed to say, you know, we, we would give our lives before we would commit those immoral acts. Um, so there, there is a sense that, you know, in Judaism, that even though Jewish tradition, you know, uh, prioritizes life almost above all else, um, it's it's only almost above all else. And there are things that are more important even than than staying alive. Uh, but the the other piece of it, I think that Ezekiel saying is that death is not the final thing. Um, and, you know, I, I think that for, for those who, um, who, for those who are inclined to belief, um, I, I, um, I think I, I find that comforting, right? That, that, um, that, that even if we don't necessarily believe in, you know, an ultimate, you know, resurrection, uh, of the dead, which traditional Judaism believes in. And, and of course, uh, there are streams of Christianity that believe in that very literally, um, that, um, uh, that there is. Uh, a, a sense that that uh, that when we die, um, that is not the end of our soul's journey. That's not the end of our story, right? We we remain. We are eternal beings that have a brief physical um, existence. And I wonder if that is um, is that does that minimize the pain and and challenge of people who are suffering and, and God forbid dying of this disease, or is it is it actually in, would it, could it be encouraging? Or, or option C, none of the above. <laughs> um, rephrase, rephrase your question one more time. Sorry. Yeah, I, I guess, like, I don't know. Maybe it, there, there's, not, there's not a fully formed question there, but it's just, the, the, I guess the, the two things that this calls to mind is either that death is not the, is not the worst thing yeah. uh, or that it's not the, and slash, or it's not the final thing. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is that, is that, uh, is, does that diminish the experience of people who are suffering and, and God forbid dying of this, or is this, or is that maybe a, the, a, a, a measure of hope for people or is it something else? I, <laughs> um, so I, I think it's a, a couple of different things. Um, I think for people, I think for some there will be, um, people that it, it brings ultimate hope. Uh, I remember, and I thought they were a bit odd, but some deep evangelical friends back in college who were like, I just can't wait to die and go be with God and go be with my Lord. And I thought, wow, there's so much life in front of you. Like, are you okay? Do you need to talk to a counselor? Right. <laughs> so I think there's a strand of, of people that probably, probably believe that. I think I think for me, what it is, a, what resonates with me is that death doesn't have the final word um, and that there is something beyond this life. Not that I should seek death quickly or um, be okay if I'm in the midst of suffering, but that for me as a very privileged person, it's a call for me to not fear what may happen like just like what you were saying at the beginning that um that there are some things that are worth dying for or that is that a, a fair enough yeah, paraphrase yeah, i guess you yeah. know so that so that i can stand up in the face of justice because i don't have to fear what happens if i die um and almost i guess what comes to mind is like a, a martyr but i don't know that i'm comfortable necessarily so much with with that language as i am saying like we really have to give our all 
um, to seek out justice so that those who aren't in a privileged place, for those that um, have lost their jobs and can't get um, financial support and, and unemployment or don't have access to healthcare or you know, the big news this week um, are communities of color who yeah. um, have a higher rate of, of getting COVID and of dying from it. And it, it you know, peeling apart the layers of, of the racism um, that really permeates this country and, and many of its systems. And so what, what is my responsibility to speak to that as a person of faith even if it means losing my job, because oh, death could come in lots of ways, I guess, right? Like if right. you're thinking metaphorically, you know, loss of, of death, of, like family metaphorically or loss of my job. Um, so that I can't, I can't fear that. I can't, I have to always be willing um, to, to speak, to speak to the love and compassion that I am called to speak to and not worry about the consequences of, of death. Right. And, and there's the, you know, you, you bring up some really important points here, you know, the, that you know, Ezekiel uh, doesn't uh, minimize the, uh, the, the, the tragedy. Um, you know, the, the fact that these bones exist, right. He even says, you know, these, these bones uh, were, um, uh, give me one second. Let me find it. Um, that they were that they were slain, right? So the, yeah. these, the, the, these 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 bones represent a violent end, right? And um, and they're strewn about, they're scattered, right? This is a really painful image. So I don't think he's minimizing the the suffering that this represents. And, and the other piece of it is that if you take put this in the context of you know of, of not only the rest of Ezekiel's prophecy but the other prophets, I think that there's a, a sense that um, uh, that that the tragedy that befell the people of Judah was at least in part a tragedy of their own making, right? It was a systemic breakdown, uh, and it was brought on, uh, brought on by pervasive uh, injustice um, uh, and corruption uh, 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 within their society. So like that resonates very strongly that, that the death and destruction that we're experiencing now um, uh, is in part uh, due to the fact that there, there, there are systemic breakdowns that are exacerbating uh, and corruption that's exacerbating um, uh, this problem, these deaths, and the way that's to right. overcome it, therefore, right? The, the, what we do with the second chance is um, is to you know build a world in which you know these bones don't get strewn about in the same way again. That's right. That's right. I, as I, you know, I come back to this this thought that <laughs> what is <laughs> here we have built up artilleries of of things that. At kill right like we have guns and bombs and and all these things that we thought would save us or protect us um and yet it is something so microscopic that we can't see that's actually killing our our people around the world and and in our own communities and the very thing that could save us we haven't invested in um, for example, like masks and, um, you know, gloves and things like that, that are suddenly difficult to come by. And I, um, on the and contrary, not, we've divested, we've divested we've, from this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so, and, and not to, I'm not saying, you know, there's, there's a, a, 
I'm sure a, a place to, to, to have such investments in, in our military and things. I'm not saying that that's not important. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, where have, you know, what is it that's actually hurting us and it is and killing us. And it's that we haven't invested perhaps in the right things, um, not just from a medical standpoint, um, but even uh, I, I'm sure we can uncover some things spiritually. There's a lot of people in my own, I don't know if you're experiencing this, but in my own community that are coming back to uh, religion, all, all they're like, oh, I'm going to start praying. <laughs> I'm going to start coming back to church or um, synagogue or whatever. Like all, they're, they're starting to think about these things in a different way. But, um, but yeah, so I think this uncovers an opportunity to see where these uh you know, we're pulling that string and we're seeing how quickly things are unraveling. Um, and, and we, we will have an opportunity, I think, to, I hope that's my hope. That's the hope I hold on to, like to, to, to put this back together, um, in a way that is justice oriented. Um, yeah, that, that I, I hope, I pray that we, that we will that we will learn this. And I draw hope of people of how kind I see. Like there's a lot of hope I still see of people being willing to deliver groceries and check in on their neighbor. On my walks around the block, there's a sign on the street that's like, if you live in my block, here's my phone number. If you need anything, please call or text me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you just have your number posted on your on your front door? <laughs> like it's um, wow. amazing to me um, to see the kindness of people and to find ways of there's a NPR story yesterday of how people are communicating with each other now that we can't um, either be close or touch um, and sometimes even speak and talking about like smiling with your eyes um, or like the wave and so there just seems to be a gentleness that we are embracing like we are realizing through this how human we are um, that's something so small could unravel our entire community and how important it is, um, you know, again, going back to this sort of physical element of Ezekiel, of the importance of actually our bones and skin and, and physical touching of each other, a hug, um, being able to be physically present for our such our, our important rituals that we have, whether it is our funerals or our weddings or, um, you know, our proms, our graduations that so many people um, in our own community have, have gone without. And we're seeing the importance of, of just how, just how valuable those rituals are. Yeah. And I, and I keep coming back, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, what, what you just offered there, you know, um, uh, brought me back to this uh, recurring uh, uh, word in, um, in in Ezekiel of uh, of, of ruach, right? Oh, um, so the, the, yeah. right, the, the the wind or the spirit, the breath um, that is uh, coming back to these bones. And there is um, this line. It's verse ten. Uh, after the bones kind of come back to life, it says that 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 uh, um, uh, the tavoba hem haruach, the ruach, the, the the breath entered them. Be they live. They stood on their feet. It was a, uh, a, a, a it translates in English, a vast multitude. But um, is actually the word for an army, for, for soldiers. 
um, or for power, for, for, for physical power. But, they're, but these are just like, you know, um, newly born, like these are newborns, right? They're just, they're, 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 uh, they're, they're a, a, an army of naked people standing up, right? And um, uh, not to be too graphic about it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> they have no, they have no weapons, right? Mm. They, they, um, and, mm. and so there, there is, I think, a sense of this, that, that, the, that, the, that this um, resurrection, the power that they have is the ruach. The power that they have is, mm. is the breath, is their spirit. That, I think, takes a sort of a maybe ironic or, or just a, um, a complicated dimension in, in you know, the, the context of a, of a disease that literally takes your breath away. Mm. Uh, but, um, but, it, but it also evokes to me um, a, a famous passage from the prophet Zechariah that I think maybe, you know, uh, Zechariah came later uh, than Ezekiel, maybe knew of Ezekiel when he was saying this. He said, um, which means uh, not by chayil, uh, not by, uh, by might, and not by power, but only by my spirit, only by my breath, right? And so I think that there's, that to, to your point, mm. right, that we, we, we've, we've, um, uh, venerated uh, power, uh, uh, weaponry, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, economic might, economic prowess. But what the prophets keep on trying to draw us back to is like that's not what's ultimately going to save you. That's not what's, and we can see it right now. We have this right. uh, invisible enemy that we're fighting against, and all of the bombs and guns and money in the world can't stop it unless we are actually taking care of each other that's right? right that's by my breath that's right that's exactly what it will save us is our na- are taking care of each other taking care of our neighbors reaching out wherever we can um that no that's amen that preaches <laughs> nothing so, to add uh, to before, that absolutely <laughs> before, before we uh before we uh, uh open it up for people's comments and, and questions uh can we get a sneak preview of what you're uh, preaching on tomorrow <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. Let me pull that up. What am I preaching on tomorrow? You give us, give us the summary, the highlight. Well, I think I am, um, we are doing actually a Vizio, um, meditation on, um, this beautiful painting called The Road is Long. And acknowledging that, um, because what I am struggling with is, for for so long, as I had mentioned earlier, like we do this Lenten journey for 40 days, recognizing Jesus's 40 days in the wilderness. And, but our wilderness is not going to end. And so um, talking about the fact that actually when uh, Mary uh, goes to, to find the tomb empty um, and, and she has to go back to tell the other disciples. And just for the record, I like to point out that it's always, it's the women and all of the gospels that realize the tomb is empty and share the good news. So I just want to, <laughs> but, but the disciples are actually locked in a house or they're shut up in a house because it was really dangerous to be outside. Um, and, and so Mary has to go to them. And so I, I'm just sort of do, doing this parallel thing um, so far. I, I'm, I will admit I'm not done, uh, as you can probably tell. But, <laughs> but this idea that, um, that the, the first 
Easter really wasn't all that big and boisterous and loud and full of hymn sings, that actually it was a group of people tucked away in their house, scared to go outside and trying to mm. remain safe. Um, and, and so this idea that um, even though we can't gather in our traditional ways, even in, in, you know, Passover looks different and Easter this year looks different, but that it still happens. Like Passover still happens and we still tell the story and Easter still happens. And we tell the story um, that there is still, that there's still hope. Um, and so something like that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And, 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 and it really, uh, you know, preaches with uh, with what Ezekiel saying. He even says he he uh, quotes, I guess, what people must have been saying at his time, right? Avda tikvatenu, our hope is gone, right? And uh, and and those uh, uh, in the in the congregation might recognize that phrase because it appears in Israel's national anthem in the opposite way. We sing uh, Od lo avda tikvatenu, our hope is not yet gone, um, right? And so. Uh, so I think that both in Christian tradition and in Jewish tradition, um, our sense is that um, that that there is um, that 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 hope can lift us up um, and and keep us going and enable us to um, to do what we need to do to uh, bring the world where it needs to be. So so thank you for sharing uh, a little bit of that. We won't uh, we won't give it away to your congregation before tomorrow. Um, it might very well and, be different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make it so that folks can unmute themselves. Uh, if you would like to uh, offer your thoughts uh, or, or a question. So give me one second. Allow participants to unmute themselves. Um, and okay, Holly, you should be unmuted. And uh, so your turn, friends. Questions, comments, thoughts. <laughs> You're so quiet. All right, it's Rita. Uh, you know I always jump into the silence. Go for it. Um, when I first came to Judaism, uh, is everybody hearing the uh, feedback because David's on too? Uh, yeah, but it's okay. It's not that bad. Sorry. Um, when I first came to Judaism, something that struck me and always strikes me is that we live in two places in anything we do in moments of joy and exhilaration and beauty, we also remind ourselves of the other side. You know, in, in the Haggadah, when we're celebrating our liberation, we spill the drops of wine in part from the Midrash remembering the cost um, to others um, in humanity when we're in a moment of mourning, we, we chant a prayer praising God when it's hard to feel that in a way. You know, when we're at a wedding, <laughs> we break the glass remembering the destruction. So I think those reminders resonate for me that we always live in these two places. And so when we, you know, as I was listening to both of you, when we're when we are in a time that is really dark, <laughs> there's a lot of darkness and sadness and suffering there. We remember there is something beyond that. There is, is a long road <laughs> and hopefully there is a path we can choose out of it. 
although it doesn't take away individual suffering, um, it's not it's not the silver lining. Um, and then when we're in those really good times, we you know when those come back, we have to remember to look for the suffering around us that's still going to be there, even if from different causes, and not to forget about that part. So. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Others, other other questions or comments or or, or insights, thoughts. Unless Holly, you have something you want to um, add on top of what Rita said. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, can you hear me? Hi, David. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I was thinking about this morning, um, we hear all these stories about hospitals being, you know, hammered with all these COVID patients and how many patients, you know, died in different facilities. But the other side of that is, you know, life is going on. Yes, there's people dying in hospitals. But the labor and delivery suite's still open. Babies are still being born. The children's hospital is open. There's, you know, kids with leukemia who are still going, you know, going through successful treatment and going into remission. So I think a lot of times as a society, we tend to <clears throat> focus on the negative. And maybe, you right. know, if we spent a... a if they gave equal weight in the media to the positives, hmm. I think it would give us a lot more hope. Right, exactly. Yeah. Thank and you. just the fact that people have found a way, we can't gather in person, but we find ways to connect, shows that we're, I think, all a hopeful people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some great points, David. You know, I, uh, I've seen responses um, like like 250,000 people or who whatever have recovered from COVID. Why don't we share this good news? I think about my, there's been a hand, my own um, niece that was born a week and a half ago. Uh, of course, no one gets to hold her yet, but, but I think it goes back to Rita's point that these things, like this is the tension of what it means to be human. And that we, right. we walk, we walk both of these. Um, this is what it, the road of, of humanity looks like. Um, so thank you for highlighting. Yeah. The, the goodness that we can't, we can't forget this goodness. That is part of our world. And hopefully we'll be a part of um, restructuring it. And, and as we move forward. And, and just to, just to add to that, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Fred Rogers, uh, uh, <sighs> Quote, oh, um, yeah. over the past few weeks right where, where he says you know when I used to see scary things on on tv when I was a boy my mother would always tell me look for the helpers there are always people helping right and and I you know it's the the, the news dwells maybe for good reason but uh and also for uh you know uh, for, for pragmatic reasons on their part because it keeps us watching um <laughs> dwells on the on the on the bad news uh but there but there are so many amazing examples I mean 
David, if I can you know, embarrass you for a second, I mean, you're a, a, a prime example of somebody who's in the trenches helping, right? So there are, there are always people helping and we can look for that. And just one plug, uh, I don't get any kickback for this, uh, but maybe, maybe uh, you know, he'll listen to this and, and, uh, and will give me one. Um, John Krasinski, who is the lead actor in The Office, uh, played Jim in The Office, has this YouTube series. Uh, I think he's done like one or two, two episodes, I think so far called Some Good News. Um, it's great. And he just like highlights like what is what are people doing that, that are good, you know, that, that's good this week. It's just it's just so joyous and wonderful and a reminder um, of all of the greatness of humanity that continues to be present in the world and and, and even is um, uh, uh, elevated during a time of crisis like this. Other thoughts, questions, comments? Can I just make a comment without the video? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. I just wanted this is, to. This is, my, this is my mom, everybody. Say hi, mom. I, I don't want to do the video because I'm, I'm not looking so put together. But I did want to say in, in light of what you're saying that this being Holy Week, Passover week and Easter week, it's also the... Yeah, Cider Memorial of my mother and almost to be birthday of my father. And I wanted to say that in light of this and on this Shabbat morning, my brother was taken off the ventilator. And hopefully right. good news. And hopefully my parents, I choose to believe with all this discussion of what death really means. And um, I, forgive me, I forget the pastor's name, but I was listening to her and talking Howie. about um, I choose to believe that my parents are watching over my brother and hopefully he's on the road to a good recovery. So I just wanted to put that out there. I wanted to say a shout out though. They'll never hear this, but to all of his caretakers at the hospital, even to the point of a nurse taking the few minutes to let my sister-in-law speak to him on the phone, using his cell phone, holding the phone up so he could listen to her. He couldn't respond, but he definitely knew it was her. And they're so busy, and they just took those few minutes for that loving, that loving touch. So the caretakers and the people in the, uh, everyone in the hospital working and everyone in the spiritual world working is um, amazing. And it's, it's really kind of interesting that it's all happening during this Holy Week. Um, thanks, thanks, Mom, for sharing that, and uh, and and you know we'll continue to hold Uncle Rob in in our prayers uh, for a, a full and speedy recovery. But that's really um, encouraging news and, and uplifting news to to hear. So thank you. Um, well, why don't why don't we wrap up on uh, on on that positive note, Holly? What do you think? I think that sounds great. <laughs> Any uh, any any concluding thoughts you want to offer? Uh, uh, I no, not really. Other than I, I, I think I'd I'd come back um, when I, I. Lastly, like from this passage, is holding on to um, the breath of God that breathes life into us, and to remember that, and to hold on to that, especially in these times where we might find ourselves losing our breath again as you had so mentioned maybe not 
those who are uh, impacted from COVID, but even just in the midst of uh, of loss and struggling in this pandemic and in crisis, and we might find ourselves literally losing our breath from from panicking from it all. Um, but to pause and to remind ourselves to take a few uh, deep breaths um, and imagining it being God's holy breath giving life to us. Amen. Uh, and uh, and that uh, and I'll just add uh, like uh, one one uh, brief addition to that, which is um, that with that physical breath uh, that we can uh, catch because um, we. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're not open and expansive to, uh, to the, to possibility and to, um, and to goodness. If we, if, when we, when we are out of our breath, when we have shortness right. of breath, uh, but, but also that, um, that the way, the, the way forward is, um, is through, uh, the, is through the divine spirit in a way, right. That, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that if we can channel, we can channel God's goodness, God's love, God's compassion and, and, op- and engage with each other with that love. And uh, and and uh, and uh, and and uh, work through that uh, loving posture, um, uh, right? To, like Michael just said in the chat, hold tightly the fabric mm-hmm. of our community, hold each other with with that love. Um, uh, you know, we we may not make it out unscathed. There will be uh, death and there will be pain. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, but at the very least, we can um, we can uh, uh, elevate uh, each other. Um, and hold each other and uplift each other and then rebuild um, in a uh, in a meaningful, just and loving way um, from uh, uh, from from the devastation. So um, thank you, uh, Reverend Holly, for taking the time to be with us this morning. Um, thank you, and, uh, and what is a very busy week for you. Uh, but we're really, really grateful for your spirit and for your you insight. This has been Socially Distant, Spiritually Close with Rabbi Michael Knopf. I hope that this episode has helped you find a little faith and hope, enrichment and uplift during this complex and challenging time. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. Please also rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that others will have an easier time finding us and joining in the conversation. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is produced by Dr. Gillian Frank. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Our cover art was designed by Judith Russian, using a photograph by Miriam Aniel. I have been your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.